I so appreciate you coming out, honoring the Lord. We're here for the presence of God and the Word of God, and we got both tonight. Amen. Lord, thank you for your precious, holy, written Word. And thank you, Lord, for giving us utterance, and thank you for giving us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us and to the church, to those that will be hearing by various media. We pray for the anointing of God in Jesus' mighty name. Can you say amen? amen? Title of tonight's message is The Call for Intercessors. We are in a prayer emphasis. And a, a key scripture that you can refer to often is 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 3 in the King James Version says this, I exhort therefore, you can almost say it by heart, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. I'll just skip a little bit on a couple things in the Amplified Version. It says, I admonish and urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be offered in behalf of all men, kings, and all who are in positions of authority or high responsibility outwardly, and so on, that we might pass a, a quiet and undisturbed life. Amen. So, here's an interesting thing. I see from where I sit, I attend, I, I, I'm privileged to be able to attend just about every service that happens in Heart of the Bay for 31 years. It feels so weird not being here, Pastor Nancy. It's hard for me to get out of Dodge. Yes, Teresa, it's hard for me to get out of Dodge. Uh, but I have seen such marvelous things in the last uh, several months, really beginning with the top of the year. And uh, this particular prayer emphasis coupled together with uh, pastor's messages on the faith of Abraham, whose seed we are. And we've been learning on Wednesday nights about uh, the Father Abraham, the kind of faith, the kind of life that he led, and the kind of example that he blazed for the rest of us. And part of what Father Abraham did was that he was an intercessor. It's amazing, but when you look through, among other things, Father Abraham was did many things, but uh, not the fewest or the least of them was the act of intercession. And you're going to deal with intercession tonight, uh, as the title uh, kind of defines. As, as we go into this, let me just share a couple more New Testament scriptures that have to do, you'll see the word intercession. And understand, we're not saying that everything is intercession. There's also other types of prayer, petitions, supplications. Pastor Nancy did a marvelous message on supplication several months ago. I, I think it was like November or something. Phenomenal word on supplication. But as far as intercession, just listen to how often the word intercession comes up. It'll pique your interest so that when we get to the definitions of of intercession and interceding, you'll you'll get a better idea or maybe a, another another view of it. Everybody with us on that? In Ephesians chapter six, we won't re read the entire thing, but somewhere down, oh, skip down to verse eighteen. After he says, "Put on the full armor of God," 
right? And that he says that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but spiritual wickedness in high places in the heavenly places, right? Uh, notice what it says in, in verse 18. After he gives all of the different weaponry and protective gear, of course, the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and the, and the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of, of uh, peace. Notice that in verse 18 it says, praying sometimes with one kind of prayer. No, it says praying always with all prayer or all kinds or types of prayer. So there's more than one type of prayer. If you've been around at this church at all, you've been, you've, you've sat under the teaching and understand that there are different kinds of prayer. That's not what my focus is tonight. My focus is tonight to talk about intercession. But there are different kinds of prayer. Pastors do a marvelous job. Pastor Brenna, Pastor Mark, Pastor Nancy do a marvelous job t- uh, teaching about the different times. But I feel impressed to lean on the side of intercession tonight. Amen. And it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And, and, and by the way, here's a little add-on, that utterance may be given me. You'd think the guy that wrote or received, you know, most of the New Testament, does he really need prayer? Somebody say yes. He, if he asked for prayer, he needed prayer. In other words, utterance is never automatic. You may have studied, you may have had visitation from angels, you may have done and gone to heaven and come back, but you still need the saints to pray for you for utterance, and that's why we need to continually pray for the ministry gifts or whoever, whatever the teacher is that stands in the place of utterance, we need to pray that utterance would be given them. This is not, friends, utterance is not an academic activity. Utterance is not something like you teach math and science and biography and sociology at Chabot or at UC Berkeley. Utterance is divine impartation and revelation of the Spirit from the Spirit of God coming out of the Word of God, coming alive and decoding things for us that we need it. Somebody say, I need the Word. You don't need somebody just rambling random scriptures in a monotone. I mean, no offense to people that speak monotone. What you need is revelation, something that's alive. My Bible says that the Word of God is alive and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to discern the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And so we pray for the utterance. That was a side journey and it's turning into a message. Let me go back to intercession. Pray for your, pray for your pastors that they would speak the word boldly, that they would have utterance and make known the mystery of the gospel. Amen. But moving on to 1 Peter 4, 7, look what it says. He, uh, again, speaking about prayer, Peter says this, but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober. That's a thought. Put away the, put away the Michelob, friends, and the Budweiser. <laughs> but what he really means is be serious. Quit, quit fooling around and realize that the days are urgent and you need to be on point when it comes to something. When it comes to what? Watch unto prayer. I believe that the emphasis on prayer in the last days will simply just increase and increase. Now, it's not that prayer 
ever had less significance. It's just that, can I just say it this way? For, off, for, for, for much of the time, we maybe the body of Christ hasn't been doing the amount and the kind and the quality of praying that she needed to do because she didn't have the revelation. Do you understand what I'm saying? But see, now those that are attuned to God, revelation and teaching is coming forth and responsibility is falling on the shoulders of the church. And so, praise God, it says in the Amplified Version of that same scripture, 1 Peter 4 and verse 7. Don't worry, we're going to get to intercession in a minute. But the end and the culmination of all things has now come near. Keep sound-minded and self-restrained and alert, therefore, for the practice of prayer. Friends, there are a lot of things that are vying for your attention. And it's not that things are evil. If you like golf, if you like tennis, if you like guitar, if you like music, if you like swimming, if you, there's nothing wrong with ping pong, ping pong, bridge. I said it wrong. Ping pong. There it is. There's nothing wrong with exercise. If you like to go to the gym four or five times, there's nothing wrong with reading novels, nice, good, uh, redeeming value novels. But the thing is that the time is so urgent. That we need to be sober and vigilant and available to do the kind of praying that needs to be done. And there's, there's personal praying and then there's corporate praying. We'll see some of these things as we go tonight. So here we go, page two. I feel like Steve Garvey. <laughs> you see... In corporate prayer, I love some of these examples. Corporate prayer where the church came together. Of course, Peter was thrown in prison, right? And he was, remember the story in Acts chapter 12, verse 4 through 25. And look at what it says in verse 5, I believe it is. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him. By whom? By the church. Now, this is a little advance on what we're talking about tonight, but intercession, one of, one of the, I guess you could say a vernacular or a little, a, a very simple definition of intercession is quite simply pleading or stepping in the position for someone else. The church stepped into a place of continued fervent prayer for Peter. The target wasn't for themselves. I mean, I love Reuben, and, and I'm sure Reuben, if he needs a new uh, Cadillac, I'm sure he'll pray for one. Uh, and, and that's fine. But that's not intercession. I mean, if I, need, if I need something in my home, like a new fence, thank God I'm getting a new fence. You know, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Things are falling in line. Don't, that's not a faith hint. Everything's already paid for. You know, it's just, it's just the neighbors had to fall in line. They, no, we don't want to do it. And I'm like, wow. They finally said, yes, hallelujah, that was a victory, huh? Because you got, you know, common law, blah, blah, blah. Okay, back to, the, back to the message. It's not that praying for your needs or praying for your own healing, is, there's nothing wrong with that. But there is a call for the church to take her eyes off of herself and to begin focusing on a greater purpose. Now, please understand, you being blessed, you being healed and whole and strong and vibrant, having a vibrant marriage if you're married, having a healthy relationship with your children if you're a parent, this is all good and it's a witness to the world of the goodness of God. In fact, a good marriage is a model to the world of Christ 
Christ in the church. It stands at a witness. When you go to some place and you say, hi, we've, we're here celebrating. And look at those two people hooking up. Yeah, that's right. I hooked up with this girl and, and we're married and we're celebrating our 37 year anniversary. People just about fall out when you hear things like that. Because you know how rare it is for faithfulness? It is so rare to have people that have been married more than three years and, and they, they call it quicks and give up on it. But see, your marriage, your home, your kids, the way you conduct yourself is a witness to the world. So sure, I believe in praying that you get your house in order. But there's another purpose. Why do you want to get your house in order? Do you know, do you know why I want my marriage to be stellar? I want it to be an example to my kids and I want it to be an example to our church and an example to my neighbors of Christ in the church. I want to show them that Christ is alive in me and that he works in hearts so that when you have nasty things coming up, the grace of God can work to such a degree that you can not just grin and bear it, but work through it and be and fall in love and stay in love. Isn't that what 1 Corinthians chapter 13 talks about? It says that love, it doesn't even notice a suffered wrong, it says in the Amplified. Ooh, that's a really strong challenge. Well, for the love of God in you that should have brought in your heart, that's not too hard for God. God God does that every day. He does it every day. He overlooks he overlooks transgression because of the love. Love, Love covers a multitude of sins. Amen. All right. I got really preachy here and we haven't even gotten in the message yet. So where were we? Okay. So there's nothing wrong with you praying. I believe that you need to get your house in order. In fact, here's a word from the Lord. Get your house in order. (laughs) Pay your bills. If the, if the needs aren't being met, get before God and say, God, what do I have to do? Where's the supply? What do you want me to do? If your marriage isn't quite where it needs to be, get before the Lord. And I made a, I made a, um, I made a decision years ago that just not fighting was not good enough. Just like being at peace and we, we figured it out. We're not getting each other's way. That's not good enough. We need to be excited about being with each other. Husbands, wives, are you hearing me? And kids, I'm telling you right now, don't just abide your parents. We need to, and abide your friends and your coworkers. We need to learn how to enjoy one another. Let the love of God cover things. And the only way you can do that, dear God, you gotta, somebody say, pray. It's gonna take prayer. But moving right along, let's talk about intercede. So what is a definition of interceding? Uh, here's a good, a, a good de- definition. Uh, to intervene or an intervention on the behalf of another, a medi- to, in- to mediate or intermediate, arbitrate, concile or negotiate. Now, this is, I know there's a lot of words coming out here, but have you ever heard of there's going to be an intervention happen? Like somebody's hurting themselves. And, and you see, you see intercession a lot in your life. I know you do. Like there was one day I was standing in line and there was this lady that can, she was really uh, like with a walker and the line was real, real long and Kimberly was in line. And I had compassion on this, on this lady and I said, you know, that lady has got to be in her 80s and, the, and she's just, you could tell she's really struggling to hang on to her. I says, I'll tell you what, I went up to her and says, ma'am, um, I'll tell you what, can I stand in line for you? I mean, the, obviously this, this uh, institution doesn't have any 
um, they don't have any facility to help seniors, and, and this just doesn't look right for you to have to stand here basically all, to have to go through this long line. It was zigzagging like, you know, like Disneyland. I said, let me, will you, will you let me stand in line for you, and I'll hold the place, and when it comes to the front, then we'll wave you on. Can you, would, is that all right? She was so relieved. That's intercession. Let me explain what just happened there. I'll explain what happened. To take a decide that was an intervention. To, I took a decisive or an intrusive role in order to modify or determine the outcome of events. It requires you to get involved instead of ignoring. All right. Now, how many of you, I'm sure if we had a show of hands, you could come up with ways that, oh gosh, I just remember there's another time there was an intervention. I was driving down the street, I was after church, and it was fairly dark out, and there was this, there was this person with their car broken down, obviously um, it was a, it was a uh, well, not quite elderly lady, but older, old enough, and I said like, man, what, what if that was Kimberly, what would I want if somebody, and, and you know, like she's obviously broken down, and I says, oh Lord, okay. So I, I just want to go home and go to sleep. But I got personally, somebody say involved. 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 That's an intervention. I said, okay. So I pull my car around. I say, hi, ma'am. Looks like you're having car trouble. Yes, yes. I'm having car trouble. I locked my keys in the trunk. And then I says, oh, is there any lever or something? So I tried to help a little bit. And then so we, we ended up trying to reach a tow truck and that. And I stayed there with her till the tow truck arrived. Or the person, the locksmith is what it was. And I offered whatever supply I could offer. Now, you may say, Pastor, Pastor Tom, that was real lame. You didn't get her key out. You know, you weren't able to do a whole lot. Yeah, but you know what? It was dark out there, and at least I was moral support. And she was very comforted, so much so that when I was leaving, I says, okay, you, you're going to take good care of her? Okay, all right, good night, see you later. She reached out to give me a hug. I'm like, whoa, you know, thank you, Granny, you know, like, wow, you know. And I, but that was another act of intervention or intercession. Let me go through this again. You see this all the time, at least if you're not callous in your heart. You do this. You feel this. If somebody's having a, a trouble like helping someone load groceries or something, everybody, I think I've made it abundantly clear with those examples. To intervene, to step in and act, to take decisive or intrusive, an intrusive role in order to mo- modify the outcome of an event. In other words, to involve yourself in a situation. And uh, thank God... That the story of the kingdom of God is one of people in trouble and somebody that's not in trouble, okay, goes out of their way to get involved. Is that too simple for you? (laughs) I just wonder if that was a little too simple. Everybody would go like... I'm not going to wax scholastic on you. I, I'm telling you right now. Job 16:19 through 21 in the NIV. We're going to put that up in a moment. 
Friends, the story of the Bible, the story of redemption, is one of divine interventions. There was a time while they're getting the scripture up, there was a time, uh, some time ago, where someone was having certain challenges and they really needed help. And uh, what I got a call from the family and lawyers and what have you, and, and, and this person was really getting in trouble because they weren't in their right mind and they were, they were getting involved with, with, with financial decisions and things that were, can I just say, out there. And so they called me, Pastor Tom, would you get involved in an intervention? So if you're not familiar with what that is, that's where the family comes together with whoever the authorities, a social worker, police officer, whatever. However, by the way, I didn't go. I was advised not to go. I didn't have to go. They could take care of it just fine. But anyway, they go in there and they, they, they sit the person down. They all sit down and talk and they try to clarify what's happening and they try to gain the person's trust to make the right decision. Hey, friends, does that sound like something that happened to us? Like Jesus came, gave his life for us, paid the price, got involved, and then he sent the Holy Spirit, hello, and he convicted us when we were messed up, and then there was a divine intervention. He gathered us, maybe some wild-eyed Christian loved on you, hallelujah, and told you something nice and kind and helped you out when you couldn't find the door, when you couldn't figure life out at all. When you were at your wit's end. That's divine intervention. That's a form of intercession. Hallelujah. I'm there. I'm there. I'm ready to open my eyes and see these these opportunities. But look what it says in Job. Even now my witness is in heaven. My advocate is on high. My intercessor is my friend. Who's he talking about? You know it. It says here, as my eyes pour out tears to God on behalf of a man, he pleads with God. That's one of the things that intercessors do. They plead with the authorities. If there's anything within your hand or your influence that you could help somebody, you plead the case. Or you might even put this aside. Somebody's looking for a job and you, you know the owner really well. You have a good tenure at that particular company. And they'll say to you, would you please put in a good Say that louder. Would you put in a good word? What are you doing? You are interceding in behalf of that individual. And here Job is saying that I have an intercessor, an advocate, a friend who is in, who is in, in my behalf going and communing with God and putting in a good word for the, for me. And I don't want to say the man upstairs, so I won't say it. <laughs> I guess I said it. Look at, look at this in the Amplified. Even now, behold, my witness is in heaven, and he who vouches for me is on high. My friends scorn me, but my eye pours out tears to God. Have you ever been, you personally, have you ever been in a place that hurt so bad or was so scary you could hardly sleep. And you try to go to sleep, but what you would end up doing is you would wake up and then you would just get on the floor before God. Say, God, we, I'm in trouble now. What have I done? And you do whatever, you pull out your little Bible and you just say, God, have mercy. Have you ever been there or just me? You know, million dollars in debt. Like, what happened? Like, yesterday I thought I was, everything was pretty good, and now I'm almost a million dollars in debt. And what is going on? You know? Uh, what, my house is getting repossessed or something? By the way, it didn't. Hallelujah. God turned that around. Amen. Hallelujah. 
but God did a miracle for me. But, but see, if you've never been in that place, anybody that has never been in that place before, congratulations, you, have, you, you haven't experienced some of the, the, the rougher parts of human life. Heartbreak. You ever been heartbroken so bad, disappointed, somebody rejected you so badly that it just was like a dagger going right through your heart and you have nothing, you're speechless. The pain is so intense, all you can do is just go and just, you don't even feel, you don't even know what to say. Well, I don't want to be overly dramatic. Thank you very much, Latino. I'm going to reel this back in. But the idea is we need a friend. We need an intercessor. We need someone, an advocate, that will go before the presence of God. Aren't you glad for the Holy Spirit? He's our friend, advocate, standby also. <laughs> and he goes, when we don't know how to pray in Romans chapter 8, he says, that he, 26 I believe, he says that, that he goes, we don't know how to even offer that prayer. My heart is so broken. I've been so betrayed. My, you know, this hurts so bad. I don't even, I don't know, I don't, I don't even have a prayer. I don't know what to do. Well, the Holy Spirit is right there offering up a prayer for you he's like an advocate he's interceding for you and he meets whatever your sigh is and whatever your pain is up before the throne of God and by the time it reaches heaven he's made a perfect prayer before the Lord and something has been moved in the spirit realm so that things could get better listen all I don't know about you but besides being a real blessing on the earth I just want to bless people I also want things to get better there's some things that we need, I need to get better. I need to see some change here. I need to see some physical conditions change, or I need to see some relationships line up. Am I the only one, or you're so victorious, let's just take the offering and go home. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Job talks about his intercessor, the, 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 the one that's standing before God. And then look what it says. And someone said it before that Jesus is our intercessor. Hebrews 7.25. Wherefore, he's able to save them in Hebrews 7.25 in the King James Version. He's able also, Jesus is able to save you to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he ever liveth. To make intercession for you. Remember our model. You're helpless. And there's somebody standing by that's got, that really has it together. And they're going to take time and stop and notice that you need help. And they're going to come and help you. Will so, somebody say, please help me? Will somebody please help me? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So let's talk. Let's see if I can move on. I think. Christ mediated a better covenant. You've all seen things like when people have difficulties, and we know relationships sometimes get very difficult and difficult situations. And uh, you know, divorce is a very hurtful thing. People, people, you know, they end up in situations. Some are nasty, really nasty, and they ended up in mediation and they're mudslinging and everything. By the way, if you have a relationship that you're challenged with, don't be nasty about it. At least be kind. Be kind. Ask God to, to do whatever you need to do. And why are we even talking about marriage? Too? Oh, it just If you have a friendship that's being challenged. Okay, let's bring it right there. A friendship that's being challenged. Don't be nasty about it. Operate in the love of God. Let things go. Let 
grace just cover that just cover it and release that and you know whenever that thing rises up they hurt me there release that in jesus name you can do this amen you got to do it or else you'll if you're hurt you know you're going to end up but let's let's look at see where we're going to go to from here i don't want to go too much longer yeah we're talking about intercession tonight so let me see where I'm going to pick up again. Okay, let's go to Abraham. Genesis 18, 22 through 33. So here's, here, there, there are two examples that, that I have tonight about Abraham, how he interceded or, and or how he intervened. They almost, you can say that they're almost synonymous. It, the intervention was the part where he acted and did something. The intercession was when he prayed. And he also, by the way, intercession is doing something. Just because you're praying, like you're at home and you're praying for that stinker, <laughs> that person or that, you know, that situation. You're praying over that. It's not like you're doing nothing. You know, like some people say, well, nothing I could do now. I guess all there is to do is pray. You're like, wow. That's all. You're almost saying like praying like, well, you know, it's, I'm going to take my coat off now. You're, it's almost like you're saying, well, what use? And I know it's, it's, a, it's, it's a, the goose is cooked. It's over. Like, what, what do we have now left to do? Like, you know, uh, just pray. No, no, actually pray is where you should start. I said pray is where we should start and stay. All right, so Genesis 18, and I'm going to paraphrase. And you know how the story was that... That um, oh this is really good I don't want to skip that before we go into, into that mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah we'll stay with Abraham then I'll go back to Ezekiel all right so you see how Abraham was entertaining and he knows these were heavenly guests Pastor did a phenomenal job weeks prior talking about how they came to the house and he personally got the lamb and he had uh, even though they have servants he had Sarah personally cooked. It wasn't a goose, the, whatever it was, uh, the fatted calf or whatever. And, and, he, and he stayed. And then he entered into this place. I want you to take it up in verse 22. Can you look at that? Then the men turned away from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood still before the Lord. So make no mistake about it. Abraham had a very strong relationship with God. And, you know, I'm sure that the other strangers, strangers, the other men that came, they were angels. I'm sure they were, it was very impressive and there was a lot of power. I don't know if you've ever been someplace where angels were in manifestation. It feels like electrifying. It's really amazing. I've had the house filled with angels a number of times in my life. And, um, I mean, I, 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 I was just almost overwhelmed. It feels so like goodness and energy and honey, wake up, honey, 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 wake up. There's angels all over the house. It's pitch black. And yet it looks like the light, the house is lit up. It was really an amazing experience. And we immediately began to worship the Lord. Those a couple of times that's happened to us. But anyway, um, so he stood there before the Lord and then it says, and he came near. So here's a thought. In order to be a successful intercessor, you have to have a relationship with God to even know God's there and can get your attention. And you need to sit still enough to get to understand that over, even though other important things are moving around, the most important thing is the focus that you have on God. 
as an intercessor. Intercessor. Don't look at all the problems and figure out how much it's changed the physical condition or how, how things have slipped from this day to that day and look at all the charts. What you need is a supernatural connection with God. That's your most vital connection is your connection to the, to the Lord. So he stood still before the Lord. Even though all the actions seemed to be moving toward Sodom and Gomorrah, he stood his ground. Amen, somebody? And notice what he says. Then he drew near. You should have no problem drawing near the Lord. Why? Because you should know that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We heard in weeks prior how that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Let me tell you something. It really feels good, really good to know that everything is good and clear between you and your spouse, you and a friend. And can I just say this? It feels real lousy if you have a big blowout and people are not even on speaking terms. How does that feel? How does it feel? It feels terrible. Like your stomach turns. Thank God I don't have a lot of that in my life. Hallelujah. I've had a few occasions to have that where your stomach is just turning and things are so messed up. And, ooh, what do you say? I don't, don't say anything. Like, ooh, and you're really calculating all your words. Who needs that? Aren't you glad that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and you don't have to walk on eggshells around the throne and you could go before the Lord and you could just love him and thank him and just step in there like the Bible says, boldly. How about with, that doesn't mean rudely, that just means with confidence. Is that right, Ed? Is that right? Confidence before the Lord. I mean, it feels, it feels great to be able to do that. So that's what he did. So then he began the negotiation prog- process. Make no mistake, this is intercession. He began the negotiation process. He says, okay, if there's 50. Y'all, you know the story, right? Okay, then he says, hmm, what if we were five short? <laughs> Okay, and says, okay, I'll, for 45, we'll take care of it. Goes, okay, 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 okay. How about if there was 40 and 30 and 20? And you know, he stopped all the way to 10. And you know how the story goes. Sometimes people say that if he would have gone to one, probably God would have hearkened to him. Can I, can I just offer something to spin off of that? If it would have just been one, we'll take it up right here in Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30. Top of page 5 up there for my friends in high places. Ezekiel 22:30 in the King James Version says this. I sought for a man, one. I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, one man, are you listening? One man, that I should not destroy it, but I found how many? Amplified Bible says that I sought for a man that one man that would build up the wall and stand in the gap. New King James Version says, stand in the gap before me on behalf. That sounds like intercession again. In other words, it's using spiritual energy... Not on yourself, but on someone else or for another cause. Everybody with us on that? So look at this. So Ab- what Ab- the exercise that Abraham was doing, it was totally valid. And if he would have gone to one man, I believe God would have honored that. If there was one man that would have stood in the gap for the land, he probably would have spared it. Very interesting. So notice this. There, there's another... So he, he did do 
um, he did negotiate with God and do intercession. Amen. Let's look at intervention now. You all know the part where um, this was in Genesis chapter 14, where Sodom came under attack. And when it came under attack, these kings from various places came, attacked the land and took all the people away captive, took all the plunder. And who was in the lot of people but Lot? No pun intended. So guess what happens? The moment that Abraham heard the news that his kin had been captured, what did he say? Well, serves him right for going over there, a bunch of those heathens like that. will teach him a lesson or two. Serves him right. Is that what he did? No, Pastor Brenda did a, a, a masterpiece on Sunday night talking about the love of God and why God does things in behalf of people. It's because he loves people. Get it. Let's get it. He lo- he's not going out of his way to try to ding somebody over the head. He's going out of his way to give people a way out. He, my Bible says he delights in mercy. I wonder what your Bible says. Carol, does your Bible say he delights in mercy? I thought it did. Yeah, okay. Just checking. So guess what happened? So he says, all these kings came and attacked him. Now the valley of so-and-so and so. Verse 11, and they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah, verse 11, and all their provisions and went their way. So in verse 12, you know, they took Lot. Abraham's brother's son or his nephew who went to Sodom and his goods and departed. And then somebody escaped. Thank God for the mercy of God. That one person that escaped to get back and tell Abraham that something happened. Look what happened in verse 14. Abraham heard that his brother, that his brother was taken captive. And what did he do? No, he didn't say serves you right. Let him suffer a little bit. Teach him a lesson. No, he's, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house. Now, I want to share something about, we talked about prayer and we talked about action. And I said, you always pray first. Well, here you don't see the fact that Abraham prayed first. But I'm going to show you somewhere where Abraham did pray first before he went out there. Of course, he went out and fought. It says, so he brought, it says that he divided his forces against them by night. He and his servants and attacked him in verse 15, attacked him and pursued them as far as Hobah which is north of Damascus, verse 16. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh, that is the king's valley, etc., etc. Now, here's what happens. He's met with Melchizedek, another little place for a side journey. Y'all remember who Melchizedek is? Here's a guy, here's a priest that has no beginning and no end. Like, who is this guy? There's a, there's a, there's a, a, a model in there of Jesus Christ himself. He has no, no beginning and no end. He always existed. And so, of course, Abraham, watch this. Melchizedek, the king of Salem, verse 18, brought bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Who did the delivering? Okay, please understand, this was a dangerous mission. 
We always re, we slide over stories like this. Do you understand that there were several kings that had banded together and had been taking city after city after city? They weren't wimps. They were warriors. And I'm sure they had more than 318 soldiers. That's all that Abraham had. Right? So just think about that. Abraham put himself, somebody say, at risk. He got involved. But here's something that I do know. It wasn't really risk because I know that he prayed ahead of time. See, this priest that came, Melchizedek, he blessed them. And he says, blessed be God who's blessed you and given them into your hand. Do you really think that Abraham's going to take 318 of his men and put his own life in jeopardy and not know that he's going to win? Friends, the fight is always fixed when it comes to the kingdom of God. When you pray and he says, yes, go and recover all, it's all good. There's no way you're going to lose. Abraham knew what was going to happen before he ever set out with his men. Because, and I'll show you how I know that he prayed ahead of time. This was during the, somebody say, intervention. All right, so during this time uh, where he's being blessed, Abraham being blessed by Melchizedek, blessed be Abraham, God most high, possessed of heaven and earth, blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And then he, Abraham, gave him tithes of all. And one, one translation suggests that it was, and I don't know, you know, I, I didn't have time to research it to see if, if that's, like the, the academic, academically correct, but you can look at it two ways. One way is that you could say that he, he might have given God a tithe of everything that Abraham owns. Like, apart from what just happened here, this is a place where I can give my tithe. Or you can look at, or and, or you can look at it that it was one translation said it took a tithe from all the recovered loot. <laughs> they called it loot. That they that he tithed on that and he gave it. Or he could have tithed on everything, the loot and everything that he's accumulated. And but any way you slice it, he was a worshiper of God with his substance. Somebody say amen. amen. And I, some people may not figure this out, but I hope that they do. It's people that have a hard time getting ahead when you honor God. And he knows that you're going to honor him with your energy and with your substance. God will always see to it that you end up on top. You're not going down. How do I know that Abraham prayed? Because in verse 21 of the same chapter, we're talking about, um, where are we? Genesis 14. Now the king, of, the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But, verse 22, Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord. Sounds like worship. The Lord God Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing. From a thread to a sandal strap that I will not take anything that is yours. So it looks like he prayed before the Lord, before anything, before he set out on battle. He lifted his hands in an act of worship and said, now God, give me the victory and I promise you I will not take anything. 
I'm not taking anything from this guy. Isn't that interesting? So he, at some time, I mean, let's face it, it's kind of hard to be praying when you're in the middle of the battle. I mean, you, 318 guys going up against thousands and thousands. Come on, friends. These are trained soldiers and that. So, no, he did his praying ahead of time. And then he says, accept only give what the young man. So Abraham prayed before he ever hit the battlefield. What do you think happened in the time of prayer? He got the wisdom of God on how to beat the enemy. Don't you think so? What, you know, it, the Bible, you, sometimes you could just read it and you could say like, oh yeah, he went out by night and they defied themselves. That was a God plan, friends. God gave him a plan what to do. Go out by night, split the forces this way, and then, wow, if the Raiders had that on their offensive line, <laughs> never mind. <clears throat> We'd win every, just kidding, just never mind, keep it in the word. Hallelujah. He worshipped God for the answer ahead of time, and he vowed not to take the spoil. That's how I know that he prayed. So anyway, a couple of things about prayer. You understand the value of corporate prayer. We as a church are in a time of, of intercession. A favorite passage of scripture, Second Chronicles chapter 7, 14 through 16. I will paraphrase, my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. Number one, humble themselves. Do you realize that proud people don't pray? I like what, what Psalm 107 says in verse 27 and 28. It says, They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man, and they are at their wits' end. Usually, people, you and I, develop a real strong prayer life when we're in trouble. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. There's different ty- kinds of prayer. There's, there's, the, there's the, the everyday prayer, you know, that's like a two, you know, like, oh, Lord, I love you. Hallelujah. Okay, bye. <laughs> there, there's the one half point prayer, like, Lord, thanks for the Susie. Amen. Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. Amen. And you eat, you know. And then there's a, there's a phone call. Hey, somebody got in trouble. They're like, oh, wow, okay, let's, pray, let's touch and agree. Lord, we just thank you in Jesus' name for intervention there. We pray for those. Say, okay, amen. Okay, and you walk your way. That was like, I mean, I, I mean, that could be it. I mean, I'm not saying that that doesn't count. But somehow I feel like if you, you need to might maybe put a little more energy into it. Don't you think, Pastor Nancy, just wait on God. Now, Lord, how would you have me to pray? effectively and you need the holy spirit to come in and empower you hey hey listen it's fine for you to pray the word we all know that we could pray the word but how much better to be able to be infused with utterance from the holy spirit when you're in your prayer life and get results can i get an amen (laughs) and so there are some people that refuse to to pray like to more than that, and I believe the body of Christ is arising, you know, to a higher level, so that when they see that, when they sense that something needs to happen here, you could say, you arrive in a situation, and you think like, something needs to happen, something needs to change. We should never be at a loss as to what to do. Men ought always to pray, thank you. Men ought always to pray and not faint. We shouldn't say, I don't know what to do. 
You know, so a difficult situation comes your way. I get it. Everybody gets difficult situations come their way. But we should always pray and seek the heart of God. Wait before the Lord. He, God always has an answer. There's always a supply. There's always a word from heaven. Absolutely the truth. So humble themselves. A lot of people don't want to humble themselves and pray. They, and, and well-meaning people. I mean, maybe you're one of them. Maybe I'm one of them from time to time. Something happens and the first thing you do is you're going to jump in there and fix it right away. Because you've done this before. Oh, what are we going to learn? Seek the Lord first. Don't be like David with the guys in, and the cart with Uzzah. Like, oh, this is real simple. We'll just grab this cart and just like a whoop, somebody died. Whoa, what's up? <laughs> It didn't work that time. Or how about this time? There was this, they, they were winning so many battles, winning battles, winning battles, winning battles. Like, inquire of the Lord. Yes, go, you shall overcome them. Oh, yes. Okay, boys, let's go hit it. Bam. Uh, I'll put another one up there. Boy, we're undefeated. And then there's, then there's a little, little group of people that are in the way, giving us trouble. It says, ah, just take a few people. The rest of us will stay back. You guys go ahead. They didn't even pray. Says, how many people? Oh, geez. That's so small group. they they got whooped. <laughs> they got whooped. They had massive casualties. They came back and then all of a sudden David started praying. Why? In all your ways, figure it out. No, that's not what it said. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. In the little things, see, it looked like a, such a little thing. These are just a few little people. We can beat these people. We got this. These people, like, that's how come sometimes it's so amazing to see a high-ranking college football team with a very low-ranking, oh, we got this. These guys are, they're, 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 they have a 0 and 30 record. They're so defeated. They, and those are the very ones, that's the day they get whooped. The champions that are, you know, you've seen that, right? People underestimate. Always pray and get the mind of God. Amen? Humble yourself. Seek my face. Don't seek his hand. Seek his face. Don't seek his supply. Seek his face. Get intimate with God. Amen? Turn from your wicked ways. Are you ready for the word wicked? And then I've I got to kind of wrap this up. I just found something. Jesus said about that man that buried, you know, the, the talent in Matthew 25. He says, you wicked and lazy servant. I thought that was very interesting. Why would he say lazy and wicked together? But here's a thought about lazy. Lazy is unwilling to exert effort. Think about that. If that runs in company with wicked, I would venture to say that if we are unwilling to exert effort, we're falling in the category of the wicked. Just a thought. If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray, turn from their lazy ways, put that spin on it, turn from their lazy ways. Just a thought. <laughs> I'm just saying, don't give it that quickie prayer. Why don't you wait on God and really get the job done? Don't put a band-aid on it. Get results. Get the miracle. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're just about done. Y'all are hang hanging in there. How many of you give me two minutes? Two minutes. Two minutes. Hallelujah. Well, there's so many scriptures here. My, I told my wife, I've got, I've got a lot of notes again. She goes, oh boy. I said, pray for me, honey. <laughs> Intercession. 
Jesus mentioned about the church, about the temple. He said, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. There's a, let me just share from my heart about that, and then we'll close. There is a zone that you can get into, just like exercise or something. You ever been in the zone on something? Just anything. Like if you had, if you were taking a Spanish class or something and you were drilling and you went and you did a lot of the lab and, and, and Enrique va a la biblioteca and all that, you know, you had it really going on strong and you were in the flow, you were in the zone. You could feel it like, man, I'm ready for this test. Uh, Enrique va a la biblioteca. <laughs> in the zone, man. You know, <laughs> or you're doing, or you're doing the recital. Yeah, you practice that a thousand times. I'm in the zone. It's test day, and you go. Got this. You're in the zone. There is a spirit of prayer, and when he comes upon you, you could sense it. It is. He's. That is amazing. And friends, while we're in that season of prayer, you could sense it. And I'm going to close with this. I came to the last, you know, there was a prayer meeting here on, on, on Thursday night last week. And we were just in the presence of God. Wow. And Sunday morning was so awesome. Pastor did a call, right? A call to prayer. And the altar, did you, it was just like suddenly. How many of you were there at the 11 o'clock service? Boom. This altar was full and I could I was vibrating with the power and the presence of God well I went I went up to see my wife uh, on on Sunday night I hadn't seen her in two weeks and I just I was full I was vibrating and the next day I says okay I'm not gonna I'm not gonna load all this on her now wait till tomorrow so the other day at breakfast I says you know they're having a little devotionals and everything and really good devotionals by the way and then I said, guys, and, and then they were like getting up to do something. I said, well, wait a minute. Um, I have something. Can I, can I just pray for you guys? I mean, and I, I was full. I was loaded. I got it at the prayer. Somebody say the prayer meeting. I got it in church. It wasn't a teaching. It was a, somebody say an impartation. It was an impartation. The spirit of God is real. And I am closing honest. I had this. It was all... I wasn't it. He, the anointing, was all over me, the Holy Spirit. So I said, can I, can I just pray for you too? Is that okay? So I started and I went over to my mother-in-law and I placed my hands on her shoulder. And I felt the power of God go into her body. I said, Father, I lift karm up right now before, the, before your throne. I thank you for strengthening her in her spirit right now. I thank you for infusing her with might in the inner man. And it just went on and on. And before you know it, I see, I could feel her like going like this, receiving it. Then I went over to Kimberly, who said, like, hurry up, we got stuff to do, we got stuff to do. And I put my hands on that girl, and I began to pray over her, and I did a download. <laughs> Man, I was so full. I love it. Does it show? I love it. I love when we're in prayer meetings. I love when we're in church. When the manifestation of the presence of God, He's real. Be a carrier of the life of God. Be ready to intervene. Be ready to step in and pray for someone. Be ready to, in the middle of the night, like Pastor says, let the Holy Spirit interrupt you and step into that place of negotiating and, and covering situations. And even if, you, even if your brain doesn't know about them, pray in the Holy Ghost. 
and follow that. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that you are teaching us as a church how not to just attend a prayer meeting, but to live in a prayer meeting, to be a prayer meeting, to be in constant communion with God, to pray effectively and to step into situations and uproot things and to plant things and to help and minister to people and so that your will would be done. We praise you and we worship you. I thank you for the work that you've done in this church and in churches around the world. I believe, Father, that you've raised up an army and it starts on their knees. We worship you and we honor you right now. Thank you for your presence in Jesus' name. I pray for those that are most discouraged right now. And I pray, Lord, that they would be encouraged, that they would not faint, but that they would pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for healing relationships. Thank you, Lord, for healing relationships. Thank you, Lord, for bringing people back from distant places emotionally, distant places In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord, for breakthroughs and healings in Jesus' mighty name. Hopeless situations being turned around, infused with hope in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Can you give